0: Hi, everybody. My name is Caitlin. I'm from Massachusetts, and I'm a marijuana addict, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be the speaker tonight on Saturday Night Live. So I'm here to share my experience, strength, and hope in marijuana addiction and recovery, and hopefully you're able to um, pull something good out of what I'm about to share. (laughs) So i will share my story i was addicted to marijuana i i answered yes to all 12 questions that were read today in qualifying me to be a marijuana addict i smoke marijuana every day multiple times a day uh, for several years my addiction was the most strong in college i think that question of do you surround yourself with people based on your marijuana use, like, do you choose your friends based on marijuana use, was very true for me. I formed a social circle that was only marijuana users. I wouldn't really date anybody or hang out with anybody if they didn't smoke weed. I had a privately defined world, Uh, me and my marijuana and exactly the people I wanted to see and the things I wanted to do, and um, I thought I could create my own reality. I started to realize that I had a big issue with smoking marijuana later on in college, my senior year of college. I started to kind of have this bird's eye view of my life of like, am I really waking up in the morning, every morning and and getting high before I do anything? And getting high and getting high and getting high as the central thing that I did. Um, I started to feel chained to this drug, like, I couldn't go anywhere without bringing marijuana with me. I would get nervous if I had to go somewhere and I I didn't know if it would be acceptable for me to be smoking or be high. Um, So I did, after a few years of living this lifestyle, just constantly being high, um, I checked myself into a uh, therapist's office. My college had an addiction counselor on staff and I could make a free appointment as a college student. So I walked into her office and you know, at my appointment time, and I kind of said, I'm checking in about <laughs> my marijuana use. And um, I was not at all ready to say the words that I was addicted, but I just um, was starting to notice that it, it wasn't totally normal. I know other people that, that smoked the way that I did, but it didn't seem to be right to me. Something felt off about the fact that I was smoking as much as I was. So the counselor gave me a a worksheet to fill out. You know, it's maybe similar to the 12 questions we ask ourselves, like, how often do you smoke? And um, all these questions about my usage. And we had a little conversation and made another appointment. When I saw her, again, the, the following week, she broke the news to me that based on What I reported on my worksheet, um, she said it in a very like factual therapist way, like I would meet the criteria for being classified as a person who has cannabis use disorder. Like, you know, there's something wrong with me because I'm smoking this much weed. And it was hard to accept, but um, it was a little bit of a wake up call to have a, a professional tell me that there was something wrong going on. So I started meeting with this counselor kind of once a week to keep a finger on the pulse of the fact that I had this big issue She gave me a copy of this book life with Hope and told me about the resource of MA but still at this at this point I was not ready to name myself as an addict it, it felt like um, a shameful label I guess it felt like I, I didn't Acknowledge that it applied to me—that I was an addict, even though all my behaviors are were the stereotypical what you would describe an addict to be. Um, I just wasn't ready. I, I was more comfortable saying I I had a little bit of a problem. So I I was focusing on cutting back my use. Like she said, make it a goal to track how much you use to start with. Like don't worry about cutting back, just track how much i would write in a journal how much did i use um when when i used i would write it in my journal and report back to her and she would ask me like are you happy with how much you used and usually i'd say well you know i wish it probably was a little bit less so i started setting goals for myself to cut back it really was very challenging to smoke less weed than i wanted I found it to be once I set the goal of I'm actually going to try to not smoke weed at all that that felt like, okay, this is the goal, don't smoke, so I was able to put together just I would focus on you know one this is like what we say in the program, one day at a time, one little chunk of time at a time, like can I make it to my next class without smoking weed? Can I sit through this entire college class without? leaving and smoking weed, you know, can I make it until my next thing without smoking weed. And I did it. I was able to with her support put together, you know, day after day of of not smoking weed. And um it really I, I don't know what to attribute that to, I guess working with a counselor and I I really filled up my schedule with other things to do besides getting high. Um I communicated to my friends that I had this goal and so I I really just decided to surround myself with my friends who were not smoking weed, which thankfully I did have some, you know, for my classes. I could meet up with people and do homework or what have you. And I even, uh, I always used to take this one route from the building I lived in to my class. And I had this experience when I was trying to cut back of walking that route, and I bumped into somebody that I would always smoke with right there, and she was smoking. And even though I was, like, trying to walk this path and get from where I lived to where I was going, and smoking was not part of my plan, it just happened. I bumped into someone who I used to smoke with, and she offered, and really, it's like a, an addictive part of my brain took over and said, why would I say no if there's a joint right in front of me? So I smoked, and I talked to my counselor about that experience and she suggested that I change my way that I walk through the campus so I wouldn't pass that that spot where I bumped into her. So I made that change and started making other little changes to accommodate this new path I was trying to walk of being a successful adult, being a contributing member of a community and taking care of myself without getting high. Um, it felt good, even after, you know, it, it was hard the first little chunk of time, but after I kind of built some momentum, it felt good to be sober. I say this in the past tense because after putting together a few, it, it must have been like more than one month, but fewer than two months, like a month and a half maybe of being sober my senior year of college. And... Um, uh, the coronavirus shut down a lot of things, including my college, and so it was a very abrupt, like, we're going to send you home and finish the rest of the semester online. So my experience of that happening, of like, oh, all of a sudden we're going to go home, you know, and be in our parents' houses <laughs> to finish college. And, um, uh, yeah, having to say goodbye to, My friends, my college friends, very abruptly, I just made the decision that all the people around me were partying and I wanted to also participate. I just kind of decided I'll do this one, you know, bender. I'll go on a bender for a little while because of, you know, I I pointed to the external circumstances and decided that those external circumstances were why I was going to go back to smoking weed. And I did. I, I started drinking and smoking a lot and then, you know, after we parted ways, my college friends and I, we said, you know, goodbye, see you on Zoom, right? See you see you in online class. My my use didn't stop. I I continued smoking. I forgot about my goal of of leaving marijuana in the past. I just I just continued smoking. I picked it Picked it back up. I'll say for the first then nine months of coronavirus, lockdown, quarantine, all of that happening, I was backsliding into my addiction. Um, I did see good progress working with a counselor. And um, I, I did have the MA book. I, I can't say I necessarily was using it or, or reading it, but I had a copy of the MA book to my name. Um, But I had a backslide into smoking every day. And in those nine months of uh, quarantine, of isolation, of my first job out of college being online, (laughs) um, I really felt like I had permission to live my life the way I wanted to, and the way I wanted to was to be high all the time. I was able to hold down my job. You know, for a little while I was. And just be smoking, and my world got smaller and smaller. I repeated the same behaviors over and over again. You know, smoking a joint, going to the fast food drive-through, <laughs> um, isolating myself, just being alone. This is the privately defined world, deciding exactly what I want to be a part of my life, and n- feeling like I didn't have to interact with anything outside of my little bubble. Me and my car and my marijuana. So that period of time, smoking, 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 I'm describing my world getting so small. My list of things that I do in my life becoming so short. My list of people that I communicate with is very short also. My level of being able to take care of myself is not very high. You know, I, I could feed myself fast food and Keep myself alive, take a shower every once in a while. <laughs> but I wasn't very high functioning in this active addiction, in this cycle. So I started to feel depressed. I started to feel like I was once again trapped in the cycle of marijuana use. And here's that question of can you imagine a life without marijuana? I could not. It was the only thing I felt like I knew. It was my crutch. I didn't like how my life looked, smoking marijuana all day, but I didn't want it to be any other way. I loved it. It was like marijuana was my abusive partner. I I didn't want to leave her. Eventually, I I decided. It it was kind of some combination of, like, I ran out of weed, and I was supposed to be on, like, quarantine because one of my roommates had COVID, and so I wasn't supposed to leave the apartment, which, you know, retrospectively I could have, but I was trying to put together a list of excuses of why I needed to take a pause from smoking weed. And I decided New Year's resolution, it was New Year's Day, this is uh, 2021, New Year's Day, I'm going to have a break from marijuana. That's what I told myself, I'll take a break. I'll see how long I can last. And so that first day of 2021, I decided I'll do some things that are healthy for myself. I'll drink water, I'll go for a walk, maybe I'll clean up my room a little bit, I'll have a shower, and I'll just do things that are not smoking weed and see how that feels. And really, I was so pleasantly surprised taking care of myself and doing positive things for myself really made me feel good about myself. I positively impacted my own self-esteem. Within a couple of days, I started to realize, wow, sobriety can actually be so beautiful. Like, it was hard to be aware from marijuana. I, I still missed marijuana, but I was, my eyes were opened to this idea that I could be more than the girl smoking a joint in the fast food drive through every night you know I could be more than my own privately defined world so I, I popped out my life with hope book I decided you know maybe I'll give this a try of doing this version of being away from marijuana the MA version and I went online and I found marijuana anonymous I called into this phone line and I found a program that really helped me I I found that the steps of Marijuana Anonymous, attending meetings, speaking with other people who had a similar experience to me of being addicted to marijuana and are now living a life free of marijuana, was very helpful to me. I had a lot in common with the people I heard on the line. I heard people share things that really helped me make it through each day and, and live my life in this new way this way where I I center my life around a higher power I try to take care of myself the best I can and I stay away from marijuana just just one day at a time so I wanted to share you know with the line this is something that I I wrote for myself in those first uh, maybe a like couple of weeks of sobriety and I, I sometimes turn back to this if I feel like I watch a TV show that has people smoking weed or something and my brain starts to think, oh, I could, I could do that again. You know, wasn't smoking weed great? And just remind myself of these, these things that I wrote down in early sobriety. So I'll share that. It's a list of reasons why I'm choosing this lifestyle. And here it is. Why, am, why I am not smoking today. I am an addict. If I smoke one time, I'll fall down the rabbit hole. When I'm using, I'm a liar. Smoking makes me paranoid and anxious. Choosing weed lowers my self-esteem. While under the influence, I live in delusion. I can't keep a job or a relationship when weed is my top priority. Being high feels good for a short while. Then I have to pay it back. I don't want to feel the shittiness of coming down and detoxing again. Weed takes me down the road of emotional and spiritual bankruptcy. Weed gave me Stockholm Syndrome. I need to treat her like an ex-lover. Just call somebody else. My body would not be soaking the bedsheets if it was not trying to rid itself of something it doesn't want. Oh, I'm so grateful that I'm not breaking into night sweats anymore from marijuana detox. Then I have this other list. That's the reasons I'm staying away from smoking. Here are the reasons that I'm staying sober today. I like myself better when I'm sober. I can be present in the moment. I can be clear minded and available. I can feel emotions, both good and bad feelings. I'm no longer numb. I have dreams at night. I'm more cognitively capable. I don't forget words mid-sentence. I can follow the plot of a movie. I can read a book. My world need not be privately defined anymore. I don't need to hide. I am in the driver's seat of my life. My energy and money flows where I need it. I can live a life more in line with my values. I can face adversity. I can contribute to the MA community. I can look forward to the 12 promises in life with hope. I don't have to be alone. I look better sober. My want for myself is greater than my want for weed. And lastly, this is something that I heard someone say in a meeting, and I took it down. I thought this was powerful. What do I want to be remembered by when I die? Not being stoned 24-7. That's my list of things. It grounds me in my reasons for sobriety. I want to touch base on my, my timeline, this story I'm telling you, because I did reach this beautiful point of sobriety in the beginning of January 2021, and I found a sponsor on this phone line. Um, working with a sponsor was a really wonderful tool of being able to work through my stuff, you know, work through the steps. I did the inventory, the sharing your inventory, all of that. Um, I started being of service to meetings. I started chairing meetings, um, connecting with other addicts, doing all those things that being a really involved member of the MA community does. You know, I engrossed myself in this community and it helped me. It helped me live a sober life, feel good about myself, and give back to others. And then I was able to put five months together of sobriety, which is beautiful. And I decided um, to do something beautiful for myself, which was, I decided to go and work at a summer camp for the summer. And um, that would involve, you know, packing up my things and, and moving a state away to spend a summer working with children in the outdoors. And I'm young. I guess I I didn't mention I'm still pretty young. <laughs> um, so I thought this is a time in my life I can do that. I can go and do something kind of simple and just fun, go to summer camp. So I had been seeing someone romantically, I guess kind of casually, for a few years, like dating back to when I was still using very heavily. So, this person and I would smoke together very often. And just before I went to go to summer camp, I texted this person and said, You know, I'm about to go away for a little while. I wonder if you want to spend some time together, you know, one last night before I go. And he texted me a picture of his bong and a beer and he said yes i would but i can't drive to meet you you know we live maybe an hour or so away from each other so he was basically saying i am under the influence of drugs and alcohol and i can't drive so if you want to hang out with me you got to come to me and so i thought well you know okay i do i did want the companionship right so i I went and I spent a night with this person. It's very familiar to me. And, um, you know, I'm not saying anything negative about this person. We had a fine time. But something in my heart was kind of saying I was yearning for more. Like I just was not totally satisfied in the relationship that I was having with him. So we kind of established that we were going to, You know, I was going my separate way to summer camp and we were going to try and see other people. And so we said, you know, have a great summer. I share that because the following day, um, so the next morning, I drove up to summer camp and immediately met a new person. This person was a beautiful lifeguard, I met, we were both being trained to be lifeguards for the summer camp. So we did lifeguard training together, you know, practicing saves on one another. And we took out some paddle boards and had such a lovely um, summer camp meeting each other in nature type of love story. And here is the bonus of this new character. He had never smoked weed in his entire life. He wasn't interested in it. So I thought, wow, this, especially in contrast to this guy that I just spent the night with last night, is so refreshing that I'm meeting someone who's my age that's never smoked weed. I thought of it like a gift from God, right? I thought, I've earned this. My sobriety has put me in a place where I'm able to carry a conversation sober with someone and really connect. Um, We have shared interests. And... This beautiful lifeguard and I fell in love at summer camp. Um, So wonderful. I'm so blessed that that was a part of my life experience. And at the same time, of course, this little addictive voice in the back of my brain wanted to sabotage it. This little addictive voice in the back of my brain is telling me he's never had marijuana. Don't you think he'll love it? Don't you think he should try it? Don't you think you guys would have such a good time smoking weed together? Don't you think that would be great for your relationship? So of course, Of course, I was six months sober, I met a really wonderful person, and I decided that it was a good idea to introduce marijuana to the equation. So we went to a party together with some of the other camp counselors. We drank some beers. And we did smoke some weed. Um, It might have been like two or three or four times that I was trying to get him to smoke weed with me. And he was doing it because he liked me. He wanted to do the thing that I wanted him to do. But it just wasn't his thing. He did not like it. I can now see that that is the universe telling me marijuana is no longer a part of my journey. Um, It's in the past. So... I, for a little while there, um, you know, I'm seeing this beautiful lifeguard from summer camp and he doesn't want to smoke weed with me, but I've already opened that can of worms for myself once again. So I um, decided to try smoking weed all by myself again. I would do it every once in a while for a couple months there. This is like the fall of 2021 after the summer. Um, we stayed together. The beautiful lifeguard and I stayed together. We actually, uh, we met at a summer camp in a different state, but it turns out the places that we lived not during the summer were only 10 minutes away from each other. So it was a really beautiful coincidence. Anyway, I was hiding it from him and, and smoking weed privately when I had some time to myself and I had a scary experience. I was so used to to in my past life, smoking and operating a vehicle. Now, I do not recommend this for anyone, but I, I did it. <laughs> that was my lifestyle. Um, as a teenager and in college, that was something that was so normal for me. So I thought, you know, even after having six months away from marijuana, that would be a normal thing that I would be able to function and do. So I went to a dispensary, which... Um, was not a normal part of my experience. Previously, but marijuana is legal in Massachusetts here. So that was an option that was available to me. I went to a dispensary and and got a pre rolled joint. And I decided to just smoke it on the way home while I was driving. Oh my goodness, this is hard to even say. So as I'm smoking this joint and driving my car I start to feel incredibly high like my brain is giving me signals and telling me you are not in your right mind and my brain is telling me you are not safe to drive a vehicle right now you need to pull over so I listened to my brain I thought okay if I'm not safe to drive like I don't want anything bad to happen so I need to pull over and have a breath so I'm driving, I'm driving. I notice a parking lot on my left, an empty parking lot at like some kind of store or something, and I think, "Okay, this is a good place to turn in." So I try to put on my left directional and turn the wheel and turn into the parking lot. But my body and brain just stop communicating with each other, and it's like I forget how to drive a car. I It's like I stopped my car in the middle of the road, and I'm like, you know, pushing all the buttons, (laughs) trying to figure out how do I make my car go left (laughs) so I can get into this parking lot. And, oh, my God, I see there's like a mom and her kid who have stopped in their car. They're like stopped waiting and watching me trying to turn into this parking lot. And eventually I do it. I like went over the curb (laughs) to get into this parking lot. But, oh, my gosh. What is a reality check, right? Like, I think I'm able to distort my mental capacity and be on the road. That is just not smart thinking. <gasps> so that was the last time I smoked weed. I, I can feel pretty confident. I um, sent a text to my beautiful lifeguard partner and said, you know, can you please come pick me up? I just asked him to pick me up and I sent him my location and he came and got me no questions asked, which was so beautiful. But it's, I just felt, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel like the type of person and the type of partner that I wanted to be. You know, I I was um, intoxicated. I wasn't fully functioning. I needed to be rescued and I was scared and paranoid like when he showed up on the scene he was like uh, everything's fine right your car looks fine you're not hurt like I'm so grateful there was no damage or anything but it was a scary experience to go through so I'm just sharing this with the line to say that addiction has been something that I've struggled with it's like I can know in my logical brain that weed has not done me a service. Weed has held me back. Weed has caused me to forget how to drive my car. <laughs> you know, it's, it's done some negative things for me. And yet, there's still a little part of my brain that thinks it could be a good idea to return. So my job every day is to just choose the part of my brain that I listen to and choose the part that knows it's not a good choice. I choose the part that wants to be healthy and productive and happy, right? And I choose to stay away from marijuana. So I'm so happy to share that ever since I forgot how to turn left in my car, <laughs> I, I called my sponsor and told her all about it. And, you know, we still laugh about it. Like, that's what weed will do to you. But I started going to meetings again. I haven't, I haven't picked up. I've been sober, now it's been over a year, probably like a year and two months, a year and and three months, yeah, a year and three months. Um, And it's been so beautiful. Let me tell you some of the beautiful gifts of sobriety I've gotten to experience. I fell in love, I got married. I married the beautiful lifeguard last fall. We got married in September, and we got to take a two-month honeymoon road trip. We drove all across the United States camping in different um, national parks. We spent real quality time with each other out in nature, just being together and enjoying each other's company. We did not have a single alcoholic drink. We did not smoke marijuana. We were sober together for two months enjoying each other's company. How beautiful is that? So beautiful. I'm so grateful that that has been a part of my life experience. And when we returned home from our honeymoon, I got a job. (laughs) I'm able to contribute to my community. I'm able to hold down a job. I'm able to be, you know, a, a member of a marriage. I'm somebody's partner. Somebody trusts me and counts on me, and I have somebody to trust and count on. It's so lovely. (laughs) And um, lastly, I'll say, uh, personal responsibility, I'm able to take care of myself, you know. I've, I've come to the realization that my 18th birthday has come and gone, and it is no one's responsibility to take care of me but me. The person who's responsible for if I take a shower or not is me. And the person responsible for if I eat healthy food and drink enough water is me. And the person responsible for if I get high or if I stay sober is me. I take responsibility for the things that I do. And I don't always make good choices, but I I try to remember that my choices are mine. And it's never, you know the pandemic's fault, or the president's fault, or whoever's fault that I want to say it is for my own choices that I'm making for my life. And that's empowering. I get to choose. I get to choose what I do with my life. And I'm so grateful for that perspective. Um, I think I just want to read one thing. This is from Life with Hope. A Return to Living Through the 12 Steps and the 12 Traditions of Marijuana Anonymous. This is the book I'm holding in my hands that I received from my college addictions counselor, and I'm so grateful that she was able to give me a nudge, even just to let me know that this program exists, because marijuana addiction is real, and it's a real thing I experienced. So it it makes perfect sense that I would find other humans that experience this too, and we would get together and support each other. So this is from that book. It's called The Story of the Lotus Eaters. I bet you're probably familiar with this, but it feels so true to my experiences of being sober and then all of a sudden I'm back in the addictive cycle. That's happened to me now two separate times it's happened to me. Hopefully that experience will allow me to not make the same mistake again, but this imagery is just so Descriptive of my experience, that I want to share it with the group. So here's the story of the Lotus Eaters. About 3,000 years ago, the poet Homer told a story about a man called Odysseus and his voyage home to Greece following the Trojan Wars. Odysseus and his men met up with many exciting adventurers along the way, but the most relevant to us is the story of his landing on the island of the lotus eaters. The island was so beautiful that Odysseus wanted to stay there a while to rest up. So he sent out some scouts to determine if the natives were friendly. Odysseus waited and waited, but the scouts never returned. What happened was this. The scouts had indeed met up with the locals, the lotus eaters, who turned out to be very friendly. The lotus eaters even shared their food with the scouts. But the food, the lotus, was a kind of dope and the scouts got wasted from it and forgot all about Odysseus, their mission, getting back to Greece, everything. All they wanted to do was hang out, eat lotus and get high. Lucky for them, Odysseus came and dragged them, kicking and screaming, back to the ship. He tied them to their seats and ordered the crew to row like hell in case anyone else might eat the lotus and forget the way home. The story of Odysseus is about more than just a Greek guy in a boat. It's about the journey people take through life and the obstacles they meet along the way. The story of the lotus eaters speaks particularly to us as doe As addicts, we were stuck in a lotus land. We forgot our mission. We forgot the other adventures that awaited us. We forgot about going home. Luckily, we each had within us our own Odysseus, our own higher power, which grabbed us by the collar and threw us back into the boat. So now we're rowing like hell. We may not know what's going to come next, but we're back on our way through life again, adapted from the July 1991 issue of A New Leaf. Thanks for listening. I think that's all I have to say. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Uh, My name is Caitlin. I'm a marijuana addict from Massachusetts, and that's all. Thanks for listening.